Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, oh Lord, we just thank you. What a wonderful day to, to be in your house. And Lord, when we think about you and your, your love for us, Lord, as the choir just sang, Lord, it makes us want to shout. We just want to praise you and glorify you. And Lord, I pray that we could, could take that out of here, out of this place, and Lord, that we would get excited about you Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, every other day of the week, Lord, that we would get excited about you and what you have done for us so that we would live for your glory and your namesake in this world. Oh, Lord, let the world see the light of Jesus Christ in us as we live before them. Now, Lord, today as we come to this time of our service when we worship by opening up your word and hearing from you. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us today. Lord, teach us your ways. Lord, help us, Lord, to prepare for our eternal home so that when we stand before you, we do not shrink back in shame, but Lord, that we would look at you and Rejoice in your coming. Oh, Lord, teach us today, I pray. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me. 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Uh, picking up on countercultural again, our study in 1 Corinthians. We've been out of it for about a month now uh, with, uh, with Christmas and all of that. But now we're back to it. So 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we're looking at verses 10 through 15 this morning. 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 15. Now, when Mary Beth and I, early on in our marriage, uh, there came a time where we talked about building our first home. Now, we were, we were broke, we were poor, we didn't have two dimes to rub together, really, but uh, we, we thought about building our first home. We had land out on the farm, so we didn't have to purchase land, and my, my dad, my brothers, and I could do all the work so we could build it, so no expense there. We would just be out of the expense of materials, basically, and so we considered building our first home. Now, we were poor. We were broke, so even just having to pay for the materials, it wasn't going to be much. And so my dad kind of drew out the, roughed out some, some kind of plans on, on a notepad. And probably, if, I don't think we ever really figured out square footage, but probably knowing what we had in the bank, uh, which was nothing, what we had to work with, it, it was probably going to be around maybe, maybe a thousand square foot home. I mean, this would have had to have been a really small home for us to, to start with. And our plan was to build it on a raised foundation because, you know, eventually we wouldn't, this wouldn't be our forever home, right? So we were going to build it on a raised foundation with the hopes that maybe one day we could sell it to be moved and move it off that family land and, and maybe build, you know, our forever home. You know, when you talk about building your forever home where you plan on being till you die, you, you want things to be just right. It, you, you don't want to skimp on all the details. You want, you want things to be right. You want to have some, some luxuries in it, right? You, you want it to be comfortable, maybe not too big, but big enough. 
and, and you want to have some amenities that, uh, that suit your, your personality and your style. And so uh, this was not going to be our forever home because our forever home, well, we want to, to really we want to invest there. Where we're going to die, we want to invest there. How much more our eternal home? How much more? If we want to give so much and, and really work on our earthly home, where we plan on dying on this earth, how much more should we be investing in and, and focusing on our eternal home, where we're going to spend all of eternity? We should focus on that. We should think about that. That should be the goal of this life, is to build our eternal home. Do you know right now you are in the process of building your eternal home? Right now, you are in the process, each and every person here, you are in the process of building your eternal home where you will spend all of eternity. Therefore, today, I want to implore you to take care how you build your eternal home. Take care how you build your eternal home. And that's the focus of this text that we're looking at today. That's, that's Paul's emphasis here. He is imploring the Corinthians to focus on their eternal home and, and taking care of how they build their eternal home. And so today I want uh, I want to, to give you three concerns for building your eternal home. Three concerns for building your eternal home. Now, before we read our text this morning, let me kind of remind you where we are in the book of Corinthians here, 1 Corinthians, or where they are. You remember that factionalism has, it's in the church. The, the church is, is splitting over, specifically, they're splitting over teachers that's really what Paul's focus up to this point over teachers. And, and some say, well, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, I follow Cephas or Peter. And, and others, I follow Jesus, right? And, and all this, this division is taking place in the church. And so Paul is writing to address that. They're all caught up in kind of the cultural norm. It was normal in their day, especially in Corinth, first century Corinth, to have this kind of division over teachers. People followed their favorite philosophers and, and they kind of got behind them. And so the church is really, they're getting into the culture. They're allowing the culture of the world seek, to seep into the church and, and really the church is becoming more, looking more like the culture than the actual church of Jesus Christ. And Paul is writing throughout 1 Corinthians to to these people, to the church in Corinth, that they're not to be cultural, but they're to be countercultural. When people look at the church, even today, when people look at the church, they should not see just the culture in a fancy building. They should see a people living countercultural. They should see a people who are living different than the rest of the world around them. And so today as we continue this, Paul, this, this teaching specifically here in, in 10 through 15, Paul is really focusing in on, on teachers, on, on the leaders. If you go back here just a little bit, just to, to chapter 3, verses 5 through 9, let me just read that a little bit to kind of refresh our memory. He says there, then, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? 
servants through whom you believed, as the Lord has assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who, planted, who, who, he who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labors. Remember that. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. And so when Paul then goes on to verse 10 here, he's really talking to the teachers and the leaders of the church. So this passage has really rang in my ears this week as I've been studying and preparing here. But it's applicable to all of us, each and every person here. We are all temples of the living God. We are the building, the temple of God, because God's Spirit lives within us. We all need to be concerned with how we, we build the temple of God. We want to be concerned with how we build our lives. That is, we need to be concerned with how we are investing in our eternal home, our heavenly home. And so if you found your place there in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, please stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. Hear the word of the Lord. According to the grace of God given me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done if the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives he will receive a reward if anyone's work is burned up he will suffer loss Though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated. So first, as you build your eternal home, as you build your eternal home, Paul's using this metaphor, so we're going to use this metaphor. As you build your eternal home, you must begin with the solid foundation of Jesus Christ. You must begin with the solid foundation of Jesus Christ. The, the foundation of a house is the most important part of the house. As Miss Sue was just saying this morning, if you don't have a solid foundation, the house is not going to stand. You have to have a solid foundation. And, and Jesus, he, he talks about this. He, he gives this, this little 
parable to us about the foundation. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. No matter what kind of house you build, what house you build, you have to have a firm and solid foundation. It has to be there. If you don't have a solid foundation, when the winds come and the storms come, the house is not going to stand because the foundation is no good. The foolish man builds his house on the sand, and the sand is, is washed away by the water. When the floods come, it's just washed away, and the house is washed away with it. But if you build your house on a solid foundation, and that day you built it on a rock. Today we have uh, concrete, right? But, but you, you build it on a solid foundation. If you have a solid foundation, then when the floods come, when the storms rage, then your house stands firm. It stands strong because the foundation is strong. You can have the best materials up, you know, on the rest of the house, but if your foundation is not firm, your house is going to fall. It's going to be destroyed in the storm. And so we have, to build, we have to start with a firm foundation. And there is only one foundation that we can build on. There's only one foundation that lasts for eternity, and that foundation is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's it. He is the only foundation. In our world today, now people say, well, Jesus is a way, right? He's a way. He, he's just one way of many. There, there's many paths and they all lead to the same place. Hogwash. Hogwash. That's not biblical. That's not what God's Word says. Allah doesn't get you to heaven. Buddha doesn't get you to heaven. All of these other gods in the world, they don't get you into heaven. They might make you act, uh, uh, you know, some kind of morality. They might give you some kind of morality to live by, but they won't get you to heaven. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. He's it. There is no other foundation but Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 4, verse 12, and there is salvation in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved as jesus said if you build your house on me the house will stand let me tell you dear friend if you're here today and you're trusting in some other way to get you into heaven if you're trusting in some other god if you're trusting in your, your moral goodness, that, that I'm going to do it, I'm going to do enough good that, that I'll be approved before God, you're not going to get there. If you think because you're a member of this church, that's going to be good enough to get you into heaven, that's not a good foundation. Church membership is not a, a firm foundation. It's a, sandy form, it's a sandy foundation. There is only one foundation that will stand in eternity 
And that's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He died on the cross for your sins so that you might have life in Him. And if you trust in Him, if you have faith in Him, then you're starting with a solid foundation. That foundation will not be moved. You must begin with the firm foundation of Jesus Christ. There is no other foundation but Jesus. Second, you must plan for the day of testing. After you've started with that firm foundation of Jesus Christ, you must plan for the day of testing. Every house will endure a test, will it not? I mean, when you, when you start building a house, no matter where you build it in the world, you, you've got to start thinking, all right, now what's the atmosphere like here? What kind of tests are going to come upon this house? Here in northeast Louisiana, we don't have to worry about blizzards, right? So we don't have to worry about that. But we do have to worry about tornadoes and floods. Those two are really big around here, right? We just had a tornado come through just north of us here just a, a few weeks ago. Floodwaters are always coming up. Up in, And when we lived up in north Arkansas or uh, central Arkansas, we had snow days. Down here we have flood days. Right, we get out for floods. And so we have to think about that. If you're going to build a house here in Bastrop, then you've got to think about that. And you've got to build that house accordingly. You've got to plan for that future testing. Well, let me tell you, dear friend, when you get to heaven, your house is going to be tested. That's what Paul is talking about here in this text. He's talking about the test that will come for Christians. The day of testing is the judgment seat of, of Christ. Look at what our, our text says there. Look at verses 12 through 13. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation, the solid foundation of Jesus Christ, if anyone builds on that foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, we're going to get to those in a minute, each one's work will become manifest for the day. We'll disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. Now notice, the day will disclose it. The day. Uh, that's a definite day. That, that's a, a definitely determined day. The day, not a day. The day will disclose it. What day is that? That's the day when the Lord returns. And we're all, those who are dead in Christ will be resurrected and all of us, uh, all of us who are still remaining will, will be caught up with them and will go up to glory. And on that day, there will be two judgments. There will be the great white throne judgment in which God will separate the goats from the sheep, right? The lost from the saved. Those who are in Christ from those who are outside of Christ. And those who are in Christ, God will say, come into my rest, my good and faithful servant. But those who are outside of Christ, those who did not build their foundation on Christ, those will be said, those will hear these words, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, I never knew you. But then for those who are in Christ, we enter into the judgment seat of Christ. 
the judgment seat of Christ. All Christians will have to stand before Christ and give account for what we have done in His name. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, Paul says this, For we must all, he is talking to the church, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So the judgment seat of Christ is for all Christians, those who have built the foundation on Christ, those who are in Christ, we must sit before the judgment seat or stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, what's the purpose of the judgment seat of Christ? Well, the judgment, uh, the judgment seat of Christ is to examine the total life of each Christian individually and how they live for Jesus during their lifetime. Now notice, this is not for punishment or condemnation. It's not for punishment, it's not condemnation. Romans 8.1 there, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So the judgment seat of Christ is not to punish you or condemn you. All the, all the punishment, all the condemnation for all of your sin, that went on Jesus when he was nailed to the cross. So it's not punitive. It's not, it's not punitive. You're not being punished for your sin, but this is for reward. It's for reward. Notice verse 14. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation, that is, the works that you do for Christ during your life in Christ on this earth, if anyone's work that has been built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. This is where God hands out the rewards, where Christ hands out rewards. Each one will be rewarded according to his or her works. Not everybody's going to get the same reward. Not everybody's going to get the same amount of reward. Some may be left with not much of anything. Some will have great big old mansions because of all they've done for the Lord. This is for rewards. Notice verse 15. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved. Right? He will be saved. He's saved because he's in Christ. But he's going to be saved only as through fire. Dear friend, you better plan for the day of testing. Because every Christian, everyone here today, in Christ, you're building upon the foundation of Jesus Christ with your life, with all the things that you do. You're building upon the foundation. And one day you'll stand before Christ and He's going to say, what have you done for my glory? And your life is going to be laid out and it's going to be examined. And it's going to be tested. And if you've done great things for the Lord, then that, that will be rewarded. That's a life that will be rewarded. But I fear that far too many people 
far too many Christians are so focused on this life, so focused on investing on and, and this life, right? So focused on building a, a good portfolio. So focused on building a good retirement. So focused on, on building a house here. So focused on, on, on this life that you lost sight of eternity. And when you come before the judgment seat of Christ, you're not going to be left with much. Oh, you may have great riches in this life, but in eternity, you're going to be poor because you spent so much time building your treasure here instead of building your treasure in heaven. Jesus says, do not lay up for your treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Are you preparing for the day of testing? Are you preparing your eternal home? So as you think about your eternal home, begin with the solid foundation of Jesus Christ. Plan for the day of testing. And third, build with enduring materials. Build with enduring materials. After you've made your plan, build with enduring materials. Now let's go back to our text there. Notice what he says in verse 12. For if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, hay, wood, straw. Notice the, the, there's six here. There's, he means to be six. There's three and three. Two sets of three, right? There's gold, silver, and precious stones on one hand. And then there's wood, hay, and straw on the other hand. He's making this distinction uh, on purpose. You see, on the one hand, he has imperishable items, imperishable materials, gold, silver, and precious stones. If they get caught in a fire, they're not destroyed. They're still going to be there. They're not going to burn away because they endure. They're imperishable. But on the other hand, wood, hay, and straw, well, they just burn up like that. They just burn away in, in a moment. They're gone. And so he's telling us here, build with enduring materials. Build with imperishable materials. Now, what are imperishable materials? What are imperishable materials? Well, the imperishable materials are our good works. What we do in the name of Jesus Christ for his glory in this life and in this world. He calls us to, to do good in the world, to love our neighbor as ourselves, to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, to do good in this life. And so if we live for Christ, 
We strive to be like Christ and to live for Christ and to honor Christ with our lives. Those, that's, that's the gold, silver, and precious stones. We're building a good house, a, a beautiful house in, in glory through the works that we do. But perishable materials, perishable materials are the wicked works that we find ourselves doing. Wicked works. Now, I want to define that a little bit better. And through defining the wicked works, we're going to see more clearly what the imperishable works, the good works are. First of all, when we talk about wicked works, we're talking about wicked actions. Wicked actions. If you will, flip over with me to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, I want to read verses 1 through 5. And here we're going to see some works, some wicked actions. Not all, it's not an inclusive, all-inclusive list, but just give us some ideas here. Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 1, Therefore, Paul calls them, be imitators of God. As loved children, that's the good, right? We're to be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So, so that's the good. We're to imitate God. We're to be like Christ. We're to, to sacrifice our, ourselves for his glory and his namesake. Loving others as we, we live. Verse 3, but sexual immorality and all impurity and covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking which are all out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you must be sure that of this, that everyone, everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. So there's those Actions, wicked actions, covetousness, lusting over what other people have, worshiping the material things of this world. That's why he calls it covetousness, idolatry, because it's lusting after the material things of this world. Sexual immorality, impurity, living an immoral life. All of these are are wicked actions that they're going to be burned away. They're going to be burned away. They're useless. They're worthless. In fact, they, they disgrace Christ instead of bringing Him glory. As, as Christians go out and act like the world and live like the world, you disgrace the name of Christ. You bring shame to His name, not glory to His name. And your wicked actions, your sinful deeds will be burned up and burn away. But it's not just wicked actions. 
I want you to notice also that it's wicked motives. It's wicked motives. Turn with me now to Matthew. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Jesus here is, is preaching on the, the, this is the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 6, I'm going to read a good portion of, of this, verses 1 through 6 and then 16 through 21. But here, Jesus addresses motives. These are good deeds that are done, good works that are done, but he's looking at the motives of these, of these works. Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, Beware of practicing your righteousness before others, before other people in order to be seen by them. Motive. You're practicing your righteousness before others in order to be seen by them. Not to glorify God, but to be seen by others. For then you have no reward for your Father who is from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, Sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will, re will reward you. Excuse me. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and, in, and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now skip down to verse 16. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward, but when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may be seen, may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And here's that verse we just read. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures in, on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now Jesus in saying, do these things, give in secret, pray in secret, fast in secret, and saying to do these things in secret, he's not condemning praying in church. He's not saying that no one should ever know that you ever you know, gave to other people. He's not saying that. He is looking at motive. Is your motive in your prayer, is your motive in your giving, is your motive in your fasting, is your motive in church attendance, is your motive in coming to Bible study, is your motive in, in, in helping your neighbor, is your motive in doing any of these things, your motive in your good works, is your motive to exalt yourself or to glorify God? 
You see, because like the hypocrites, the Pharisees, they did all of these things so that their neighbor over here could say, look at him. Look at how good he is. Oh, he is so, oh, he is so religious. He goes to church every Sunday. He does all the prayers. He does all of these things. Oh, isn't he so religious? He's, that was their motive. They wanted that applause, the applause of men. So what's your motive? Is your motive to be seen by others so that others celebrate you? Or is your motive to glorify your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? To honor Him, to be like Him. When you see someone in need and and you give to help them meet that need, is your motive in meeting that need to love them because Jesus loved them? Or to be patted on the back? Good job. Good job. Motives are important because God, he doesn't just judge our actions, he judges our heart. What's your motive? Wicked motives are perishable materials. So what kind of house are you building? What kind of materials are you building with, dear Christian? Are they wicked works, wicked deeds, wicked actions, or wicked motives? Are are they they perishable materials? Are they imperishable? Imperishable. Good works done for the honor and glory of God alone. Just think about the three little pigs, right? We know this. Everybody knows the three little pigs. The first little pig, he built his house out of straw. The second little pig built his house out of, out of sticks. And the third little pig built his house out of bricks. And the wolf came and said, Little pig, little pig, let me in. Not by the hair of my chinny chin chin. Then I'll huff and I'll pluff and I'll... I'll puff and I'll blow your house down. And he went to the house of straw. He said that. And he blew and the house fell flat. Because it was made with perishable materials. He went to the second house, the house of sticks. Little pig, little pig, let me in. Not by the hair of my chinny chin chin. Then I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house down. And the house of sticks fell flat. Because it was made with perishable materials. Then he went to the third little pig. Little pig, little pig, let me in. Not by the hair of my chinny chin chin. Well, then I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house down. And he huffed and he puffed and he blew and he blew and he blew. And the house stood still because it was made with imperishable materials. When the day comes... You stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Paul says that all of your life will be judged. Everything that you do, every action that you take in your life as a Christian will be judged by fire. When the fire subsides, what will you be left with? Reward 
a great house, a great mansion in glory? Or will you stand there naked? Saved, praise the Lord. Ready to enter His eternal rest, hallelujah, amen. But with nothing to show for your life in Christ. How are you building? How are you building, dear friend? Paul warns us. In first, or excuse me, John warns us in 1 John chapter 2, verse 8. And now, little children, abide in Christ so that when he appears, we may not have confidence and not shrink, not shrink back from him in shame at his coming. When the trumpet sounds and you're caught up in the air to be with Jesus, will you stand in confidence? Lord, I've lived for you. It wasn't perfect, but I've lived for you, and praise God, you have come and you've returned, or will you shrink back in shame? Lord, don't look at my pitiful life. Take care how you build your eternal home. Take care how you build your eternal home. I remember when I was a, a kid, Y'all won't, won't believe this, but I, I did have my moments of, mischievous, uh, of mischievousness. I can remember one time, me and a buddy of mine, we went out and, and we were involved in a little property damage. My neighbor had some reflectors up there uh, on the side of the road, and he and I were walking along, and we came to those reflectors, and, and one of us said to the other, I bet you can't hit that with a rock. Oh, yeah? We lived on a gravel road, and so we started picking up rocks one after the other, and we started chunking at those reflectors. And eventually, it took a bit, but eventually one of us hit, right? One of us hit the reflector, and it burst, and little reflector pieces went everywhere. Oh, my, oh, oh what are we going to do now? And so uh, we had to get rid of the evidence, so we took that reflector and we threw it out into the woods like, you know what, nobody's going to see it out there in the woods. I thought, we thought everything was fine and lovely, but then that afternoon, Daddy came home, and guess what Daddy was holding? That busted out reflector. And he didn't whoop me, but he said, you destroyed this and you're going to pay for it. And he went to my piggy bank, and he got out the money. He subtracted from my account the money to pay for that reflector. Other times in my life, my dad looked at things I was doing, and he said, man, you did good. You made good grades. That's a good job, son. And he rewarded me. He gave something to my account. Each and every person here, you're going to stand before Jesus, and you're either going to see your works, your life works burned away, or you're going to see them rewarded. Take care how you build your eternal home. 
build for reward. Now today, maybe there's some here that you need to start with that solid foundation of Jesus Christ. You've never trusted in Him. You've never given your life to Him. There's no other foundation to build upon. Trust in Jesus. Surrender your life to Him today. Begin to build your eternal home on His foundation. But maybe today you are a Christian. You've built on that. You, you, that foundation is laid and you're building on that foundation. But today maybe you realize that you've been wasting a good portion of your life worrying about the things of this world and not on your eternal home maybe today you need to repent of living too much for here and now and not, a much, and not for eternity you need to get serious about eternity and you need to ask the Lord Lord forgive me forgive me and give me strength to live for your glory help me to build that eternal home. Today is the day. Come and repent of not living for Jesus. And He'll help you. He will strengthen you. He will guide you and show you the way to live for Him. If you'll trust Him today. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you first and foremost for the foundation of Jesus Christ. If it were not for Jesus, we couldn't talk about an eternal home and, and glory because we would be destined for hell. There would be no foundation for us to build upon. So, Lord, we thank you and we praise you for Jesus Christ. And, Lord, I pray if there's anybody, anybody here who's never heard of Jesus never trusted in Jesus Lord lay that foundation for them today let them trust in Jesus let them find that security and assurance in him first and foremost and Lord as your church we just confess before you today Lord we know we are sinners saved by grace Lord, we know that there are things in our life that we do. We mess up. We sin. Oh, but Lord, we want to live for you. We want to honor and glorify your name. Lord, each and every one of us wants great rewards in heaven because we want to honor your name and glorify your name. Your honor, your glory, that's our reward. So, Lord, let us glorify you. Help us in our weakness. Give us strength to build. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.